are listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. This is an Audio Nowcast special, show 136.5. And I just want to tell you right now, this is going to be a real difficult time for me to get here. Because <laughs> I'm going to be like half fan and like half interviewer, and yeah. it's just like going to be... You've got to control yourself. I know. You know. I know. It's going to be crazy. You've got to be professional now. But um, I'm here with Martin Page, and we are honored to be sitting with Jack Hughes of Wang Chun. Jack. Good evening. Thank you so Good much. For, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> now, um, I'm a huge Wang Chung fan. I've actually okay. spoke about Wang Chung on the uh, on the podcast. Okay. So, if I break down, start crying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just forgive me. <laughs> but but no, but seriously, um, Wang Chung's always been really special for me. I always found your music to be. Um, deeper than what it appeared to be. Mm-hmm. And even your albums are like that. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people, um, if you really want to get to know Wang Chung, just look at the next song after their hits. Okay. You know, because those are, those are really good, mm-hmm. good songs. Um, so when I found out that um, I started working with Martin, yep. and then I found out that Martin um, was a good friend of yours, mm-hmm. that was just, it was awesome. And then okay. I remember one time I came over to Martin's house and um, and you were doing some guitars, believe it or not. Wow, I, I, can't the first time. Remember, I didn't remember you were there at that time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you had in, invited me over. And well, I was very there. fortunate because Jack played on uh, my solo records, yeah. on House of Stone and Light, and then on um, the next record. So I didn't realize I was doing that, did I? I mean, I, you know, I, think I was thinking that, you know, just jamming along. <laughs> that's, that was my <laughs> way, that was my way of getting you to play for free. <laughs> 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 no, I'm going to have to pay him. <laughs> Uh, you, Martin, one of the few people. <laughs> now, Jack, Jack played on um, about three tracks on the, on the House of Star and Light record, and then we had, I was working on tracks for the next thing, and mm, when I, while was. Jack was in the house, yep. he, was just, he was jamming mm. away. And yeah. then, the funny thing today, I was, I was playing a, a track that I'm thinking of putting on a, a future album, and actually, Jack, you played on that as well. Uh, so we did a lot of work together. Mm. And, then, <laughs> and I didn't know, Mike, you actually arrived at my house yeah, we doing it. You, you actually invited me over and um, so I came over and I, and I met you and uh, I had a little moment there okay. like this doesn't get any better than this <laughs> I mean I was thinking to myself if I could harness the power of the 80s that I was amongst right now because I had everybody weighing Chung tonight on one side and we built this city on the other mm-hmm. I'd be like a superhero <laughs> just be damaged <laughs> 80s man <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah. but no. Th- once again, just thank you for allowing it, me oh. to come in here and to interview you. And and really, we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, you got a great <clears throat> album that that just came out, Taser yeah. Up. Yes. Um, it was you know a couple years earlier. You had that um, EP mm-hmm. abducted by the eighties, yeah. and there was a big gap in between there. And we can talk a little bit what you did what you did there. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, you know, most people don't know about the name change you know, mm-hmm. that you had. Um, tell us a little bit about how Huang Chung started and then when did it change to, to Wang Chung? I met Nick in about, in 1978, answering uh, uh, an audition uh, ad that he put in the Melody Maker 
Uh, he put in this big ad with a sort of black border around it that looked really pretty impressive, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I won't go into all the, the story there. But met with Nick, and he had a band called The Intellectuals, which I think is just a great name for, That's uh, awesome. for us, really. <laughs> the Intellectuals. <laughs> with a K. And, and he was writing this music that was very kind of, uh, then just a strange mixture of punk, because that was the main thing that was going on in London at the time. So fast tempos, uh, you know, stripped down structures, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the harmonic content was quite often quite jazzy, you know, with like major seventh chords. Right. And uh, he was reminding me that for the audition, he wrote this quite complicated chord sequence of like, you know, sort of seven or eight quite chromatic chords. And a helicopter in a I know, I was going to say. <laughs> okay, just so people understand, we are, uh, yeah. we're just in no that, a lovely little bungalow in, uh, in Hollywood. Hollywood. yeah. So it's going to be sirens yeah. and That's right. So. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Street crime. So, yeah. That's right. It's a little raw, but, uh, but that's where we're at. But uh, yeah. we'll just... We'll yeah, just, we'll just talk through it. Yeah. 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 Anyhow. Yeah. So what was I saying? Yeah, jazz chords and punk. That was kind of what Nick was up to. And that, in a way underwrites a lot of the Wang Chung sensibility. But uh, we had a couple of bands. In those days, you know, London was, you know, there were maybe six or seven venues you could play where right. A&R guys from record companies would gather. Right. And, um, you know, we'd do some demos, send them to the labels, they'd come and see us, see us live and think, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, eventually we got to Wang Chung and uh, did the same sort of thing but this time we didn't play live actually we just did the demos right. and uh, and a guy who worked in the office below our manager he signed a couple of songs just in a little indie singles deal and then we got from there signed to Arista for a proper album deal and we made this album called Huang Chan right the spelling of the name was um, because this is a sort of listening audience I'll, I'll explain it yeah. uh, so I was reading a book called um, Conversations with a Composer by Jonathan Cott about and it was conversations with Stockhausen and uh, really interesting book and Stockhausen at one time started talking about Huang Chung and I just saw saw the name in the mm-hmm. book and it, I, it just jumped off the page at me and I just thought it, it was interesting technically what he says it's to do with is to do with vibrations that the Huang Chung kind of translates as yellow bell mm. right. um, and that the yellow bell creates is a rings at the center of the universe and creates all these different vibrations and our reality is just one of those sort of millions of vibrations wow. and uh, Wang Zhong is, is that vibration the job of a composer is to harmonize with that vibration to create a sort of uh, you know you know, a calm atmosphere. You know, wow. And so, if uh, if wars and misery is happening all around, then it's the composer's fault because he's not harmonising wow. with. One wow, that's really. So they were the first yeah. people to get executed, <laughs> not the generals. Wow. Like, that's pretty yeah, deep. That's cool. Similar now, maybe. I don't know. You don't uh, really. You <clears throat> really get punk bands that yeah. have this kind of history. Yeah. In their yeah. Time. Well, you yeah. know, I've got Cockney Rebel and all this. You don't get this. Yeah. Do you, you know? yeah. I'm still blown away yeah. by the fact that you know Nick. Hits the lottery when he puts out an ad yeah. and Jack Hughes <laughs> answers it. I thought I, I, I mentioned it. That's like, like, these, these guys have been together for a long time, <laughs> right. so that's yeah. rare as well. I mean, years. We've how how long has it been? About 35 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of time off after Wayne Jones. Yeah. But even then, we did work together because he was at a label and I would produce bands. For Can I just jump in and say, what do you think is the chemistry, Jack, between the two of you that makes mm. it work so well? I think. We have a lot in common in terms of the music that we sort of really admire, which is quite a lot of sort of jazzy, kind of, oh, excuse me, 
jazzy proggy stuff from the 70s right. uh, we also like a lot of funk stuff from the yeah. 70s as well and those things are in the background with Wang Chung I think um, the, the, the place where we're different I think is that Nick has got a much more sort of entrepreneurial sense mm-hmm. of, of music and, and he's very like he doesn't let things go right. you know, so one, when he sort of thinks something's good and it's going to be mm-hmm. you know, it's worth pursuing he pursues it relentlessly doggedly 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 until we get there yeah. whereas I kind of We'll go with it for a while, and then then I get interested in the next thing I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so it's uh, so that's the sensibility, you know. So an underlying kind of kinship mm-hmm. in terms of that's musical cool. tastes, but kind of different approaches as artists. Right. You know I mean, I, I'm got much less staying power than Nick. And you write, you write you write together, or do you write separately? Separately, really. Okay. Yeah. We on Taser Up. There's a track called Overwhelming Feeling, which yes. we deliberately mm-hmm. wrote like we used to write, which is Nick came up with the sort of front sort of eight bars of it the, the intro the keyboard stuff uh, not the intro actually it's that the main out there comes that oh yeah, yeah. feeling again yeah. that was the his sort of idea kind of thing mm. and then I kind of took it off into all of where that, it goes a great and figured track. out the intro you know yeah. what that's, that's interesting that you, yeah. you say mm. that because one of the things and we're going to get back to what we were talking about but one of the things about your music that I've noticed is it's it's like you're unwrapping a present. There's like there's gems if you keep listening to it. You know, a, a really good example is is a song that that really meant a lot to me um, in the '90s, which is um, Big World. Okay, right? just brilliant, brilliant. And um, that song, there's there's so much that it represents. I think not only with your writing style, but you can totally hear the influence of the Beatles. Yeah. And I understand you're a big Beatle fan. Huge. But if you listen to the beginning of that song. It's it's in one place, yeah. and you got to have a little bit of patience to let it go yeah. before mm. you hear it through the end of the song. Sure. And, and the funny thing is, is um, for the longest time after I got that album, mm-hmm. I'd hear the beginning, and I would just since it was at the end of the album, yeah. I wouldn't listen to the whole song. I'm just like, okay, okay it's, yeah. it's the end. You, yeah. you want to go back to one of the other yeah. ones, okay. right? right? And one time, mm. I just I was just driving, I just mm. left it on, and I heard the whole song, okay. and I was like. Mm. Oh my gosh! Mm. It was just brilliant because yeah. of just where it takes you. So it's interesting mm. that when you're writing, you, you could, especially with the the overwhelming, you yeah. can just see it because it's yeah. one here, but it ends up over here. It's yeah. just you take us on a musical journey. Yeah, yeah. very anyway, much. That's what it's about. That, that, that's what I have to say as well that the new album, uh, you know, it knocked me out. I mm-hmm. thought Taser Up was just great. I thought you're, you know, top form. Mm. Really had the ingredients of what you guys are about, and there seemed to be a real energy. For to want to do it you know you can almost tell when music is mm. meant to be and yeah. it, you, you're enjoying doing it was that the case it was yes. an enjoyable record it was yeah and I do feel that all the songs have got this kind of positive kind of light yeah. energy the first, the first track is City of Light mm. I mean yeah. the, the remix we put first which is probably not a decision in the end <laughs> um, but, uh, but City of Light is the only track and that to me sort of sets the tone yeah. and what that song is about sort of thing we could talk about that yeah. later, sort of thing, you know. But but to me, it's uh, there is a kind of um, when you're working, especially in music, actually, there right. is a kind of positive yeah. energy above the normal energy that Absolutely. you might be uh, working with, and uh, and you you can really uh, power the, the music with that. 
That's awesome. Let's let's go back because uh, I want to talk about your music, but yeah. let's just go back. So you're Huang Chung. Yes, we're Huang Chung. And and then when did you change? Was it a label thing when you came it to was, the States? Yeah. I got to jump in here though because mm. when you released your first record in Arista, yeah. and we did a podcast yesterday talking about a great engineer, Mike right. Shipley, who I worked with and, and was in London working mm. with Def Leppard and Mutt Lang, and, mm. and he ended up doing my House Stone Light record. Mm. Well, he was very turned on to great music at that mm. time, mm -hmm. and he walked into Battery Studios and I didn't know Jack mm. or anything and he said here's the record you, you need to listen to guys mm. he said this is so inventive and he played Tina Na to okay. us in the right. studio we were like my goodness and then he played Japan's Tin Drum okay. and that's you know we always knew Mike had his ear out there right. for the you know prefab sprout the great right. stuff yeah. and that's when I heard right. um, Jack first and I didn't know Jack and mm. I remember searching for that record mm. so bad mm. and, and then Diane brought it back to America my right. manager right. with me and um, I, we were so knocked out of the inventiveness yeah. and mm. even you know mm. I know where this is the first record mm. but Mike Shipley as an engineer he said mm. this is the new sound mm. uh, you could Japan are going for something so all uh, right mm. this band here, here. Mm. and um, it knocked me out cool yeah, yeah. I mean Tino and I is, is I know it's, it's, it's one of the songs that to me is you know I still like that song. Yeah, yeah. Because harmonically it's in an interesting oh, place with these chord inversions. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. First inversion chord to kick off with. Absolutely. And these yeah. tritone chords that are really out of Stravinsky, really, right. because they're built out of fourths, a lot of the chords. I didn't know that, I just yeah. liked it. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I, I tell you what, <laughs> I had a friend, I went to film school, and my, my friend was Blaine Betts, and he's actually the one who introduced me to your music. Yeah. And Blaine had. Wen Chung and Blaine had the best CD collection. Uh -huh. So I know if you made Blaine's CD collection, <laughs> yeah. that's right. There was an underground you, you thing good. going. Yeah. You were yeah. a good band, even though I don't know if Jack knew, but really un underground, it yeah. was happening as musicians as we were as right. Q-Phil. We were yeah. all trying to pick up on what was happening at time, and and uh, this record you made was mm. thought of as an underground um, pointing post yeah. to something yeah. that w that was yeah. special. So I have sort of got that over the years. Did you feel that? When, but not, not at the time so you did it? much of the time, yeah. because you're faced with the front end of the record company being kind of disappointed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have right. had a number one single and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, let's fast forward now. You're, you're coming to America and they ask you to change your name or you... Well, we sort of uh, went, you know, released this album, uh, Wang Chung, uh, got reviews and stuff. Um, but there was, you know, the, the name's very alienating, you know, much more so in the UK right. than it is here. It was deliberately, you know, one of the things I liked about it was that it's not rock and roll. Yeah. Right. Wang Chung, what sort of music is it? You've no idea. Right. Yeah. You know, no right. idea at all. Exactly. So that creates a space, which is what I'm yeah. <laughs> now very interested in, you know, um, just creating the space. Uh, and then you fill it with what you want to fill it with, you know. Um, and so when we, yeah, signed to Geffen, effectively, we got off the Arista deal because we felt they were unsympathetic really uh, got signed by Geffen and we're kind of like okay let's change this name let's just start again right. with a nice English name you right. know, when somebody asks what it means we can tell them you know? yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and David Geffen actually said to us you shouldn't change the name you should keep it because you just re-spell it so that it's not quite so alienating so you say you know you see Wang Chung and you say Wang yeah. Chung and that's the name you know? mm -hmm. so and I thought that was cool and again it, in a way that took it away from all of the, the stock cows and the serious stuff right um, which I was cool with you know, because again I never wanted the name to mean something 
I yeah. wanted it to be a space yeah. and to yeah. just be a label like G7 yeah. is a, you know, named that chord. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a convenient label. Right. So I'm trying to name that band, but it doesn't mean anything. So you, you came in your first album um, with Dance Hall Days, um, mm. Points on the Curve, and um, yeah. And did you know that it was going to be something special? Did you know you're about to start a ride that uh, was going to uh, going to be yeah. kind of special? How can I answer that honestly? Sort of thing because I don't know because you never know in life. Right. You don't know what's you know, there's a. Was there a moment where you're like seven maybe this seven actually <laughs> towards this house now? <laughs> you know, like, so you don't know. But uh, I do know that with Dance All Days, there was a, you know, I wrote it, played it to Nick, and he was like, this is good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we did a demo of it and played it to our publisher, and you could see the dollar's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone started to be nice to us. It's amazing what a song is. Yeah, it is. And, we got and, meetings with people, yeah. and, you know, everyone yeah. was just wanting to give us advice. <laughs> Can I jump in here? Absolutely. <laughs> was there two versions of Dan's yeah. old days? Tell us about that. There's one version of, you know, the song is the song is the song. Right. Uh, but the... When we were with Arista, I, I wrote it when we were with Arista, and we recorded it with Tim Freeze Green. Who was a good friend of mine, yeah. and was working at Battery and, yeah. and Jive Records. Then. Yeah. And yeah. he'd worked with Talk Talk, and we right. loved the Talk Talk Records. Oh, yeah, and we loved what he did. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he was in a very weird space with that record. And I've worked with some producers who seem to have this need initially to kind of uh, break you down mm. as an artist and be kind of like, look, mm-hmm. it's my way not your way you know? mm-hmm. and I thought he just fucked it up big uh-huh. time do you know what I mean did you, fin- did you finish it the whole version we sort of did a version yeah. of it yeah but I thought it was way off you know? yeah. and this was coincided with us sort of not being happy with Arista and, uh, wow. and we had this manager at the time new manager David Massey who did just the genius thing you know which is to get us free of Arista and took dance all days wow. you know, with wow. us you know yeah. I mean that you never do that now yeah right you know, but yeah and so and then you know I always knew how it had to sound and you worked with <laughs> and the next producer. We worked with Chris Hughes. And Chris Hughes is very in, a, in, a fin, in affinity with you in, yeah, in what you love to do. Because yes, he yeah. likes a lot of that, the same records you well, do, Jack. both huge yeah. Beatles heads, yeah. basically. Well, yeah. I mean, and he's a very rhythmic man. Isn't yeah. he? And that rhythm is just iconic. Chris was one of the drummers in Adam and the Ants. And wow. that's kind of it. Kind of has that, been, yeah. It kind of has that kind of a vibe, yeah, yeah. you know. But he also comes from. He's released a few records himself, hasn't yes. he? That are very much in that. Um, what we were talking about, Steve Reich yeah. kind of and vibe. Kind of stuff, yeah. yeah, there's a great yeah. record of his called Shift. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love. Yeah. Record. yeah. Did, where did you record that? What studio? Um, Points on the curve. Yeah, uh, in Abbey Road. That's what we were talking um, about. Yeah. Was that too? You know, with the, they still had the transistor desk. They wow. Beatles recorded right? Abbey Road. Obviously, not the desk before that, but they recorded all the really right. great stuff. On. That must have been a, such a thrill, Jeff. Oh, for you being incredible. such a Beatles fanatic. Yeah, Let's talk about your your Beatles. Yeah. You know the the fanaticism <clears throat> that you. You're a huge Beatles fan. Jack's yeah. got these recordings from Christmas. I'm told they're, yeah. they're uh, these records that I you know I'd love to hear. Yeah, they did these sort of little floppy seven inch singles. Wow. For their fan, fan right? club, yeah. Wow. Tell I, I got them all uh, from this stall in Covent Garden. <laughs> and they are amazing. They are so great. What, tell, what do the Beatles mean to you? Tell me a little bit about your, uh, your Beatles passion. For me, you know, I, I grew up in Gillingham in the Midway towns right. in England, which is like growing up in sort of New Jersey, like a grey, sort of nowhere kind of place because you know New York's close if you want to do cultural things. So living out where I was living, there was really nothing going on. And uh, 
Um, my dad's a musician, a part-time musician then. He played in the evenings, but uh, into jazz. He was oh. a saxophone player. Oh, he's oh. a saxophone player. And, uh, and I just remember hearing, um, well, you know, he played jazz and there was music in the house and stuff, but I remember hearing Please Please Me on the radio for the first time, right. like a bolt of bright light. You know, and I just heard it as I love this, and I could see that it irritated my mum. <laughs> I just sort of, uh, that was like a bonus, yeah, <laughs> double whammy. Yeah. And uh, and I just, uh, and then I think I saw them on TV. Maybe it was the uh, Royal Variety performance, or something. and it just sort of blew my mind what they were doing. But the music, I can't explain it, but it, but it is a particular language, the Beatles' right. music, that's part sort of kind of English folk music part hymn tunes, right. part American rock and roll, yeah. part blues, part sort of uh, quite sophisticated Broadway songs like Gershwin, Jerome yeah. Kern and stuff in the terms of the way they yeah. used structure. I mean, I wasn't getting this as an eight-year-old, which no. I was when I heard it, but the, the music has this um, this thing, you know. One story that I love, if, if we've got time for you. Yeah, absolutely, we've got, we got all the time I, in the I world. I was driving back from a studio <laughs> session in, in, in London one night and there was this guy on the radio sort of really talking like a sort of late night radio DJ who's on Radio 3 which is like the classical station but right. after 11 o'clock it kind of goes weird mm. on the classical station <laughs> and, uh, and he was playing what was he playing he played a bit of Fairport Convention uh, which sounded great and then he started talking about he said um, so I, I remember meeting this guy from Russia uh, you know he was in Moscow uh, in 1971 like that. and he was sitting by the, the Moscow River it was a beautiful summer's right. day you know. and he said he was sort of lying there in the sunshine with a couple of friends and he heard somebody playing a Beatles record off of like a sort of a portable gramophone uh, just a little way and he said I lay in the sun shining on my face in the grass listening to this music and I thought this is the truth and everything else is a lie <laughs> wow. you know. and uh, as an eight year old I sort of had a similar Thing, you know, and wow. I do know that when I heard Sergeant Pepper for the first time when I was twelve, wow. uh, that's exactly how I felt. That this is like this changes everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, what's amazing is when you were describing mm-hmm. um, the Beatles music. Mm-hmm. Most of those can apply to your music also. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, well, it's they're different. It's different eras. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but I think with doing. what they were doing, there was this um, uh, revolution in the head. Yeah. Is a great book about the Beatles right. songs. And they talk about how David Crosby got a sort of white label copy of yeah. Sgt. Pepper uh, when he was in the UK and took it back with him to San Francisco. Uh, so we're talking, you know, early 1967, I suppose. So hippie yeah. movement, you know. And he said he got into this uh, hotel uh, lobby and found a portable player and played it. And he said people came in off the street and started sitting up the stairs and mm. in the lobby and just listening to this music. And it was like listening to wow. the text of this wow how it's going to be in the future sort of thing he said he just couldn't explain the energy that was being generated Mm -hmm. that's cool Mm -hmm. that's cool and you just see how the influence is you know when you're influenced by somebody you see how it kind of bleeds through the art that you do I think with the Beatles you know it's much bigger than we understand it because it's it's not just like a pop record it was consciousness changing stuff and it took things to a new place which I think things have receded back from that place sadly in the last 15 years it's, it's no, for me it's what you judge everything by yeah. I mean I find myself always dropping back even though you, we go off on little journeys and we're so fascinated by different musics I find that I keep on returning home <coughs> to something which is 
so brilliant you know it's yeah. what I judge everything by you know I can't ever get past it you yeah. know you can you can get turned on by everything but then mm. and then you go back and you play Hard Day's Night the whole album and you go this is just phenomenal consistency yeah. of something magical mm. I mean the writing mm. is too you know mm. as writers here yeah. now we can't really understand how good all that was consistently yeah. right you know this was consistent over a period of time yeah and, and at high speed yeah. as well you know because it wasn't exactly. just yeah. plowing a furrow or Mm. You know, kind of thinking after a couple of albums, well, we better go back or, yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah. it kind of just kept opening up the territory and broadening the territory mm-hmm. right through. You know. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Have you, um, you know, one of the things that's really uh, just changed my perception of the Beatles' music was when I saw the uh, Cirque show. Oh yeah, love, love, yeah, and and to see the music mm. manifested in other forms of art mm. and, and dance and mm. it's just. Mm. It, it's still their music, you know. They they didn't mess around with it too much, but just to see it mm. being um, well, they did mess around with it a lot actually, didn't they? Because well, they sort of like you're right. They they remixed it, yeah. but it, it's still but it's all of them. Way, yeah, it's yeah, all them. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they, I love they, Ringo's they sense too. I mean, it's yeah, because people were outraged that like you know, within you without you's drums are against tomorrow never lose right. or oh, whatever they do. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, you know, well, if you want to listen to the old records, you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> we just wanted to do something different, and I get that. You know, you know I, but have... I love that show. We've been Nick and I go to every time we're in Vegas. Yeah, and yes. weep actually weep yeah. most of the way through. because yeah. I find it it's yeah. really interesting to have been eight years old when they yeah. hit. You know the BBC wow. sort of thing, and twelve when they did. Yeah, I felt really Pepper. fortunate. That, that and then been through the kid, whole yeah. cycle, have been you know kind of touched yeah. by, and able to sort of participate yeah. in that whole thing as well to a certain extent. And uh, tell and me, then, Jack, when you walked into Abbey Road to start yeah. that album, yeah. can you remember your feelings of yeah. walking in those rooms yeah. of the Holy Grail? <laughs> no. no, I mean I was blown away by it. You know, uh, I was. Did you use some of the gear they used? I mean, were we you were using, using that same desk? Wow. Yeah, the, that's the red, the red desk. So it's really, I remember it being dark green actually. So no, really they called, it was made. It was called the red though. Yeah, wasn't it? It was right on the yeah. back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not very clever with all that stuff. That's I do remember that you know we were using fair lights and drum machines and trying to run uh, the Lin drum off of Simpty codes on the twelve yeah. <laughs> and all that bullshit. You know? Yeah, and uh, and it was just like cables everywhere and the desk wasn't big enough to cope with right. the tracks we were using. Yeah, so it was all quite frustrating for the engineer. Right. But, yeah. um, but, so yeah. it was a true Beatle experience then. <laughs> <laughs> but I also remember you know, miserable experiences in there, like you know, uh, sort of uh, doing the guitar solo on "Wait," for example. Do you know uh, what I mean? And just like spending a whole afternoon knowing what I wanted to do, but not being able to get the right sound. Yeah, and, yeah. and that very, very big room that you're in with everyone in the control room yeah. upstairs. Yes. Uh, and you know, you have that you do a take, and then there's like a sort of two minute silence it must have before made, anybody says anything. Like it oh, must have shit. made you, Jack, appreciate what it must have been like for them yeah. when they were, although they were. A four piece that just sort of really happened live, but it also it makes you realise what they were dealing with, even though they were a more simpler band. But there had, there were still the people up yeah. there, and they still had to make the magic downstairs. Absolutely. And I'm so, sure there yeah. was a whole sense of uh, you know yeah. the, the distance. Kind of guys in white coats, and George Martin's yeah. whole middle class take on what they were doing. Yeah, a bunch of scousers. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so you do uh, points on the curve. Oh. Dance Hell Days comes out. You're, you're getting some success. Yeah. Um, and then we're starting to go. Talk us through between points on the curve and, and Mosaic. What's what's okay. happening in that time? Are you touring the U.S. for the first time? Are you? 
Yeah, so Points on the Curve, yeah. Um, Dance for Days was the, the big single, but right. they did release Don't Let It Go. Yeah, before, Don't Let Go, yeah. great, yeah. And um, there's over the years been some sort of if they'd gone with Dance with Day straight out of the box would that have been better and all those philosophical yeah, right. questions yeah. who knows um, but yeah so that album did what it did um, and I'd, I'd say it was a sort of you know I sense medium success do you know what I mean the, the singles were very successful and MTV was a very important right. part of that success because those videos were just in heavy rotation Right. Uh, I think the reason why we're here now touring is because people have a sense of oh we're Wang Chung that's right you know uh, from that brainwashing at <laughs> that time you know. it was different in England then at the same there time. was no MTV no MTV and, and did and the band were, and we didn't have a deal in England effectively oh, because we okay. were signed to Geffen Direct in Los Angeles oh okay they had distribution in the UK but they didn't really you're an American market. band in a lot of ways in well, I sense. think of yeah. Wang Chung as an LA band yeah wow yeah yeah because mm. yeah. you've got a you've got a, um, a real feeling for LA haven't you it's quite a deep, a deep yeah. feeling you have for this town yeah I feel it so much on this trip actually you know, yeah. traveling wow. around very nostalgic about yeah. Wow! Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's interesting to say Wang Chung is an LA man. I know that's <laughs> that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so and we toured off the back of that album with the Cars, right? The, who had um, Heartbeat City was that mm-hmm. album I think, which was a great album, really successful. So they were playing these huge, like eighty thousand seater mega. Oh, you were supporting stadiums. them? Were you? We were supporting, yeah. And um, but because Dance All Days was such a big hit. Uh, th- those stadiums were pretty full when we went on. You know, people were there to see us. Fantastic. Wow. So it was uh, an amazing experience, you know. So that whole thing of arriving in these places and all the romance of that. And was this the original band with yeah, the same drummer? Nick Darren. Okay. And uh, we had a, a keyboard player, Graham Pleath. Oh, I remember so It was just the four of us. Yeah. 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 So, so now you're, you're out there, you're touring, mm. and, and the next album that comes up was... Uh, to live and die on, in right. LA, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was your the soundtrack, which yeah. was you know, fun, <laughs> but it's such a phenomenal soundtrack. I mean that that soundtrack mm. is like one of my you know top soundtracks. It's I, actually a lot of people's top soundtracks. A lot of people, of, of all especially time. here. Yeah, uh, I love what Jack said live at the gig. I was yeah. aware of you said that the. Mm. The, the director said, I want you to do a song, but I don't want you yeah. to write it by the title of the film. Yeah. Mm. And you, you did. Yes. T- tell, <laughs> us, no, tell us that story. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the story was that uh, Points in the Curve tour, you know, right. uh, we're sort of successful. Yeah, yeah. So then it's kind of like, okay, so you've got to follow, follow it up. So the second album, Blues, in the sense that you've got all your life to write the first album and then 10 minutes to write the second album. <laughs> so we had some songs. Um, some of which, in retrospect, were very good, but uh, they were quite—they they weren't kind of just like chanty, simple pop songs, you know. And we worked with Chris Hughes again, um, but Chris was not enjoying it. He was in a different space. I think he just finished songs from the big chair Tears of Fears mm. yeah. yeah which was just a phenomenally great successful yeah. record, like right. right down the ballpark. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he was looking, you know, in for that. In our record, he kind of knew how it worked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And we yeah. weren't delivering that, so um, that was uh, definitely one of the most difficult times I've been through. Actually, in my wow. career it was um, yeah. The, and this was an album that was shelved, Jack. It didn't come out, or well, we didn't really sort of. You know, we'd spent a bit of time with Chris in the in the in the studio, and uh, yeah, I'm just thinking sort of, there's some bootleg tapes going. Yeah, on. yeah I was. Well, there, there are the demos for yeah, those, for those yeah. songs. 
Uh, you got to get them out. Yeah, we have. Yeah. 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 I mean, there is a you know a, a plan to oh, have good. Of album, you know, rarities. You're the unreleased okay. coming out on all yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's a, we just yeah. broke that news, folks. Yeah. But anyway, so we were sort of in this uh, unhappy situation, uh, and uh, as has happened a few times uh, for me, just completely out of the blue, I was visiting a friend of mine who I hadn't seen since I was at university. Uh, I was in his uh, apartment, and in those days, of course, you didn't have mobile phones and stuff. But the phone rang in his apartment, and he picked it up, and he said, it's for you. <laughs> and it was uh, a freaking secretary, you know, who said, you know, Mr. William Freakin would like to speak to you in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> freaking who? <laughs> <laughs> freaking what? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so the phone rang in half an hour, and... Had this conversation with William Freakin. I mean, I knew the Exorcist and the French yeah. connection. Right. Um, I didn't know it well, you know. But um, but yeah, I had this amazing conversation with him where he talked about he was making this movie called To Live and Die in L.A. He was using weight as a tent track uh, for part of the movie, meaning that that music was just sort of there, right, yeah. plastered across the. You know, he was using that playing in the background while he was watching the rushes, and he was just saying, you know, I've just love how that sounds and I want you to write me music like that. I want you to take your band, Jack, and go in the studio and write me an hour's worth of music that sounds wow. like that. Wow. So I kind of, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Little did he know that you know, the band was me, Nick and Alindra. <laughs> but, uh, I guess the good thing was that I was working on this track at the time which became City of the Angels, you know, the, right. the main instrumental yeah. Yeah. piece. And I was trying to turn that into a sort of three minute pop song. No way was that ever going to happen. Wow! And so I got to expand it into this kind of twelve-minute wow. soundtrack. Song, mm-hmm. You know, so that worked great. So you know, essentially, to live and die in LA became our next uh, album project. Geffen were not into us doing it. You know, what, wanted to veto it. Wow! Initially, but uh, David Massey managed to talk them round. You know, and we did. Uh, we, we had a week at uh, Livingston Studios, I think, in London. It was a funky little place. And I remember the, for the first day, I rented all this percussion, like a huge gong and some metal things and just stuff, mm. you know, and went around and hit it and re- just had a tape running and a lot of the kind of sound effect type sounds right. and stuff come from, from that. And I just sort of thought that, that would kind of loosen me up and stop me thinking yeah. about yeah. pop song structure. Right. And, you know. yeah. and, um, Fantastic. Yeah. That's and awesome. Yeah. And we yeah. just sort of, um, yeah, had sort of five or six days working on it and did the bulk of the, the music. So we did that that main title track thing, not the song, because uh, in the conversation with Freakin, he said to me, the one thing I don't want you to do is write a song called To Live and Die in LA. I do not want Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. You know, that was a relief. You know. So uh, we did that, and you know, and we wrote the, I had the piano piece, Black, Blue, White, I think it's called. Yeah. You know, it's a very moody piano piece, and another kind of dancey type thing. And uh, I think we had a song as well, that song, um, Wake Up, Stop Dreaming. Yeah, so well, we, that's a great that. song. Yeah, yeah. Especially when that comes into the, with the movie. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah. it's perfect. So, perfect. So basically, we just did all that stuff and sent it off to Freaking. We didn't see the movie at all wow. you know, before we, wow. we did all that. Because, um, you know, he sent it to us, but it took like five days to arrive. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. So um, You're working on a deadline here, yeah. time-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sent it all off. And, and then you know, a week later, he phoned up and said, it's amazing. Get oh, on a plane and, and come and come and see it. Wow! So he flew us out to LA, and uh, as I've said in a lot of interviews now, you know, one of the best moments in my career, I think, was sitting in this uh, movie theater on the Paramount lot and watching that opening yeah. sequence of To Live and Die in LA as right. it was then, which is the counterfeiting money scene yeah. and the sort of palm trees in the storm mm-hmm. and stuff. And 
it moves me even now to sort of think oh, about it. It was just amazing to, to see the music. Pretty amazing that you nailed, yeah. you nailed the atmosphere yeah. on that single because when mm. I feel it, I'm, I actually mm. feel LA and I yeah. feel that strange yeah. romance of LA, but the mm. coldness and mm. the um, kind of numbness of sometimes Absolutely. living here and the blandness, mm. yeah. yet still being encouraged mm. to live in, in walking mm. to the sunset. Mm. So it's amazing that you caught that mm. without seeing the film. Mm. You know, because yeah. that, that, every time I hear yeah. the track, yeah. I feel yeah. Los Angeles. You're, you're talking about as an Englishman, yeah. particularly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, because with the song, yeah. I say that hand, song. that wasn't written, so it was after we saw the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I got back to England, and uh, the song just kind of came out, despite you know, yeah. it's like Don't, try not to write. The song. <laughs> 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 you know? And I so Nick and I demoed it and sent it to Billy, and uh, him being the sort of great, generous person that he is, he was like, I love it. I'm right. going to shoot this other bit of, wow. you know, sort of uh, the wow. first ten minutes of the film, you know, which is this sort of like wow. uh, kind of prologue, I yeah. think, isn't it? Uh, so we can have that as the opening music for the film to set the, the tone. Fantastic. Over the years, I found that song more haunting and more beautiful oh, yeah. as the years have gone on. The more I've because I remember mm. I was a big Wang Chung fan, and when that came out, I was a little surprised, mm -hmm. and I went and bought the album, but I was a little bit like, well, the it's not a Wang Chung album, mm. you know, and I had to get into that because mm. I was very used to the energy of them yeah. before I met Jack. Yeah. But over the years, and when you made an acoustic version of it on a, mm. on a EP, and I've listened to the song, it's more and more hit me as a beautiful piece, mm. a beautiful, um, melancholy piece. Mm. It's a strange thing to write a song that has so much hope in it, mm. but also feels decidedly bitter underneath mm. there's, mm. A, there's a blueness that's how I mm. feel it Jack yeah. it's, it makes, it's a wistful kind of melancholy yeah. and yet you still want to go to the, the Los Angeles sunset <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. really really uh, you nailed it right you I'll, nailed it. I'll tell you this Jack just yeah. so you know I, I gotta be honest um, you also scored more than one of my student films when I was in film school so okay. just, <laughs> I, I used your soundtrack yeah. uh, on more than more than one I can was, appreciate Giffen being, being nervous <laughs> I was watching TV one night and I could hear they'd used all that the descending choir yeah. and stuff and it sort of mixed it in with other things <laughs> well, did, you, did you write most of the film stuff or was it you and Nick was it a, um, a real band thing some of it was a band thing yeah. uh, I guess the instrumental stuff was mainly me so I think okay. that the song Wake Up Stop Dreaming is a Nick song really you know and, yeah. uh, but we were working on it together definitely you know? yeah. and Nick plays bass live on that mm -hmm. stuff and his bass playing is really yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah. it's yeah, really he's, he's a great bass player he's very have good. you ever wanted to go back and do another soundtrack you ever well I did asked? do another movie for Freakin uh, oh. in 1990 called The Guardian and, uh, and I think he'll be okay with me saying that it's not his best work <laughs> uh, and uh, no, it's a strange movie to be involved in in a way was it a Wang Chung thing again? No, it was really that was what you? I did after Wang Chung okay. split. That was the first thing I did. So, because oh, okay. I think David ran into Billy on a plane or something, and you know, said Jack's not doing anything. Right? Yeah. You know, can he do the music? And then it was like, okay, I think I'm the only composer he's used twice. Actually. Wow. So, was it released the yeah. as an album? Uh, it's not an album. No, it just came uh, out as a movie. That's... Movie didn't. I would go out and get it. Out. I know. I would too. Because I was I'll be like, at me, but you know, that's, that's news got, to me. Good stuff on it, you know. But it was very kind of like it's like a sort of classical thing almost. Do you know what I mean? I, uh, some of it's based on a Shostakovich string quartet, actually. <laughs> so. You learn something new every day. Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here and yeah. say during the period that Jack wasn't working with Wang Chung, you were actually. Uh, I met you when you were also. Uh, uh, exercising the idea of doing a classical record right yeah because you're very very uh, I think every year I sort of make this resolution that I'm going to yeah. write something 
I remember you with an engineer working on those tracks. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. meaningful. <laughs> well, let me, because oh, we're going to get into that, but let me, after that, because I'm just going through a really yeah. quick little timeline, mm. then to, um, after, then we go to Mosaic, right? Yes. And so, but to live and die alone experience was a, was a good one, artistically. Right. But I think when the movie came out, you know, the movie, for those who haven't seen it, has a disturbing ending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're and going, I can remember what? the sense of getting when they switched, because that whole posse of them went out to see the movie, and they came back just, like, ready to shoot themselves, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, this is not a family film. <laughs> the Wang Chung audience are not going to entertain with us. I should also mention that we did a, a song for the Breakfast Club movie as well. Right. Around that right. same right. time. Right, yeah. Huge, huge different sort of yeah. uh, different aesthetic altogether. Another but, great film to be involved yeah, with. Yeah, it was an exciting yeah. time, actually. You know, yeah. and, and again, it's hard to think now that back in those days, music and movies were very separate industries. You know? right. mm. And I can remember Billy saying to me, you know, like, why are you in music? You know, it's peanuts. You know, even when you're successful, it doesn't mean you should do movies. They make proper money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so there was all that stuff going on. And, and um, yeah, To Live and Die in LA, you know, was as sort of, I think it did well at AOR radio, whatever mm. the hell right. it is. You know, but it wasn't a top 40 hit. So, from an accountancy point of view, uh, the, the Wang Chung balance wasn't looking good. You know? right. So, there was definitely a sense of like, okay, we've indulged you in this mm-hmm. arty project, you know, and, um, but now you've got to knuckle down and have a hit, basically. So, uh, that's when we uh, met Peter Wolf, you know, and uh, Peter Wolf of uh, Frank Zappa. Right. Starship, yeah. we built this city fame. You know, in fact, we built this city was the song that Nick and David. And I, to a certain extent, although I was a little kind of like, it's so commercial. <laughs> but I love the production. Who would write that? I, I, I don't know. Should I leave the room now? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go outside and sit in the car. Yeah, oh. so that we can. <laughs> stop, stop that now, Jack. Come on. Come on. Please, control That's yourself. funny. No, we love that record and <laughs> saw how that worked. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, you know, so Peter was yeah. brought in for us. You know, uh, and we worked with him, and so we had all these songs in bits and stuff in you know, various. And, and we spent about six weeks, I think, with Peter at his house, which was over in Simi Valley in those days, uh, kind of uh, like sort of boot camp, yeah. kind of working these songs. And everybody had fun tonight. At that time, was a little demo that was, it, to my mind, uh, should, should have sounded like Hey Jude, basically, right. like wow. melancholy little ballad. Mm. You know, like everybody have fun tonight, but how can you in this terrible world? Right. So it was a slow song. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a balladdy song, yeah. Mm. But it had this ad lib in it about everybody have fun tonight, everybody wang chung tonight, in this long fade out, you know, because I I always, every third song I write has a kind of three minute fade out. (laughs) (laughs) Which are awesome. I love those. They always end up in that. Um, but yeah, do it down the long fade. I, I sang that that line, and Peter, when he was, he just said, "I love it. That, that is the chorus. <laughs> That's the shit. Everybody wang <laughs> chung. Oh, this is going to be awful. Yeah. That's the shit. That's the shit right yeah. there. Yeah. So um, yeah." So that's what happened, you know. So he, you know, uh, I mean, Peter's great. To work. Right, he yeah. had this great synclavier. Synclavier yeah. with a piece of kit at the time. They cost like yeah. half a million. And his enthusiasm is yeah. absolutely and his intoxicating. Is, is yeah. Now, let me ask you about about your your drums uh, on a lot of your songs. Yeah. Uh, program drums. A lot of it is. Yeah. And 
for the time, yeah. you guys did some amazing program drums. I mean, really mm-hmm. funky uh-huh. and just yeah. energetic and yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. And this is back in the days, you know, where to get a good drum yeah. feel yeah. on on the lens or yeah. the, the Fairlights was not easy no, to it do. Was hard. Yeah. And and the Dance All Day is, is interesting because that's in twelve eight. Right, you know, and mm-hmm. has this sort of like, you know, it's got the shuffle thing. Yeah, the shuffle feel. And part of my sort of joy in writing that song was, yeah, how are we going to get a drum machine to hit those things? Because it just wouldn't. Right. So it really was a question of kind of recording things separately, and you know, it's kind of sampling back in those days to get the bass drum to be in the right place. It's so time consuming. It was ridiculous. But I kind of liked all that. You know, that yeah. really anal attention to detail, just, you know. You know, just the drum. I mean, the drums mm. are just funky. I mean, mm. you've, you've maintained that in, in all your, uh, yeah. you know. But funky just some of your, like, you know, some of your feels. Funk is a big, big part of Jack. Funk is, is, you know. Wayne Trinity, you know, it's yeah. sort of underrated in a way. And then yeah. when we talk yeah. about our influences and stuff. But, yeah, we were huge fans of Chic, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I'm a big fan of this new Daft Punk record, and yeah. you know, Nile Rogers' is guitar yeah. playing on that. Yeah. And Fire in the Twilight has got a real Nile Rogers guitar yeah. part yeah. and stuff. You know. yeah. Hypnotize yeah. me is a, a really funky, chic type. That's yeah, a you know, great song. That's that's yeah. one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. We've got to start doing that live. Actually, so many people say to us. Mm. Oh, I heard that. I heard that. After seeing that's why we don't do it. <laughs> Can I ask Jack about uh, when I was lucky enough to start uh, writing some songs with Jack? Um, I, I can vaguely remember Jack that you were that you, there was a repercussion to having the, such a commercial number one hit, mm. and there's a little bit of rebellion going on. I felt from yeah. you like, hey, you know, I do. We do want to be commercial, <laughs> but it, we're um, we're carrying a bit of a mm. a load around with yeah. us. Yeah. Now, yeah. tell me about that because you may have changed your point of view mm. now yeah yeah. in those days I did feel from you it's like you know we've been that commercial but it's not always great to yeah. be there yeah so it's uh, <clears throat> can you talk about it sort of you know I've sort of explained the kind of the, the situation we were in with Geffen mm-hmm. right remember? they wanted a number one hit mm-hmm. you know so that, that's the game that has to be played yeah so that's the game we played and we got our number one hit you sure. take a, <laughs> a point yeah. or two um but it's then, um, what you don't realise, as an artist, I don't think, is that you get um, defined by that mass media exposure. And that's who people think you are. You know? Right. And uh, everybody have fun tonight. I mean, it's not like I don't think I'm that, but it's not, you know, if, yeah. if you know me, yeah. you wouldn't sort of yeah. think, well, that's the first song I, by Jack that I play as a sort of representative. And you'd probably play, what, To Live and Die in LA, maybe? Or oh, something. Yeah. So um, the album we did after that, The Warmer Side of Cool, was much more, um, and it was me and Nick, it wasn't like Nick was wanting to make another party record, we right. were both trying to de- redefine Wang Chung, if you like, right. after, you know, um, everybody have fun tonight. And um, I, I, th- I think we, that we didn't manage to do that clearly enough for Geffen. And also, I think the times were changing as well right. at Geffen. You know, so they'd signed Guns and Roses. Yeah. Nirvana were around the corner. Right. The eighties was over. Yeah. You know, as yeah. I sing in, abducted by the eighties, everybody's moving on. You know, and yeah. in the music business, that you go through this as you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These phases, you know, where yeah. you your flavour for a while, you kind of keep up. If you're bright like Madonna, then you hire yeah. those people to make your next yeah. record. Don't try and make it yourself, yeah. <laughs> basically. But I did. I did <laughs> notice with Jack at that time because I was a writer for lots of bands, mm. and they were always coming in saying we're the next These Dreams where's mm. the next We Built the City but I did yeah. feel from Jack through those weeks that I was working with him which impressed me a great deal was like we want to write 
something different and we mm. wonder I think many artists get forced to keep cover, covering what they've mm. done but I did yeah. feel from you like that I didn't want it you didn't want to play that game totally no. all the way out which I think was a brave I can't statement really, yeah. you know, it's, you know, after Dance All Days you know the, mm. there was the pressure to write Dance All Days too. you know that same beat that yes. kind of, I just could never bring myself to do mm. that and it wasn't uh, like an intellectual thing it was a feeling thing yeah. right. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like always to move on and do the yeah. next thing you know yeah, uh, I don't want yeah. my side to cool. You know, I know it's my. Oh yeah, we're gonna. I got yeah. a couple of things to talk about yeah. that, but yeah. but you know, looking at at, at mosaic <coughs> and before we leave mosaic, mm. you know, I, I find that interesting what you said about you know everybody plays mm. you know um, everybody wearing chunk tonight yeah. you know yeah. and the second you know hypnotize me. Yeah. I mean that's that's mm. just brilliant. It's yeah. so musical. It's yeah. just so it's. To me, that's more Wang Chang yeah. than the other. Although, I, you know, I was a fan of that song, yeah. you know, but yeah. but hypnotized me. Just it, yeah. it's it's melodic, has a lot of tasty little bits. Yeah. It's one thing I really like about your music is mm. you can find little riffs and little yeah. bits and little yeah. pieces here and oh, there. Yeah. And um, I think that's you know growing up in the well, listening to Beatles records, yeah, know, because uh, a lot of the you know, I mean, Hey Jude's a great example actually yeah. of, of the sort of song that superficially is. You know, you can kind of hum it the third time you've heard it all the way through, sort of thing. But that fade, I still find things going on in that fade mm. with McCartney's vocal, with the orchestral yeah. things that happen, yeah. with the yeah. way the piano yeah. comes forward and back, and the drum fills. Right. And, you know, it's just endlessly fascinating. And uh, working with Chris, I know that we used to sort of say, you know, I do some little guitar thing where that's for the Cannes Freak on the 35th listen. Yeah, he'll pick up that little guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And we yeah. did think like that, that it was like that there were these layers and layers yeah. and layers, and this yeah. would, the, the tracks would be listened to, you know, over and over by people who would kind of really yes. get into it. You know. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about, um, you know, so now you have your hit mm. and you you explode. Everybody Wang yeah. Chung tonight, and mm. then um, we're done with Mosaic, and you're going to go on to the warmer side of cool. Yeah. Um, how how was that? And where did you, where did you where did that happen? It was cool, you know, in the sense that well, um, everybody had fun tonight. We toured with Tina Turner, so right. again we went off on one of these big tours. Right. And I guess I was away for about nine months, you know, sort of wow. like touring the states extensively. We did some stuff in Europe uh, and then in Australia as well, you know. So I, I definitely sort of uh, went out <laughs> during that time, <laughs> you know, a long way, yeah. uh, which was good, you know. Um, uh, but then you have to get back, you know. Right. And, uh, so, um, and the warmer side of cool was part of that coming back, I suppose. And I guess with the warmer side of cool, you know, we'd had the success. So there, w- there was a sense of like Geffen kind of going, okay, well, you know, just just get on with it, sort of thing. And Peter came in, and we worked, uh, you know, in Los Angeles on the record. There was a definite sense that it needed to, you know, we needed to be here listening to radio in LA, and right. getting all those influences, you know. Um, but I think we were, if you like, Wang Chung is all about the pendulum swing. Do you know what I mean? The pendulum right. was swinging, you know, sort of like really in the arty, proggy way through to live and die in LA. You know, really out on the commercial end with uh, uh, everybody of fun tonight. And now it's swaying back again to that arty, proggy kind of area. <laughs> do you know what I mean? and, and, and I sort of milked it for all I could. You know what I mean? With, you know, songs like um, you know, well, Big World and... Um, yeah. Uh, the speed of light, or speed, life, isn't it? The speed, speed of, of life. 
Brilliant. Brilliant song. I yeah. love that song, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's just way too ambitious in a way, you know, sort of um, for well, each other record, <laughs> you know. Well, I, I don't know. It just requires I, people I, I, to I be smart. listening to that record these days, actually, you know, because I think when we were... There was one occasion where I felt I, I should listen to all the albums again, and I, and I found things I liked on all of them, but Moore's had a call. I, I felt I could, I could hear the sort of struggle with me and Nick, especially really? on that record. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. Because well, what was the struggle between you and Nick on that record? I think he wasn't liking a lot of the stuff I was doing, and I wasn't liking a lot of the stuff wow. he was doing, feeling that he was taking it in a sort of more rock you know, direction. Well, and, uh, that's and like I, the, the first I wanted it to be more, I don't know, more jazzy, I suppose. Although I would never have used that right. word at the time because I was not a jazz head at all. And how many albums is that in, though, Jack? How many is that? What, what are we talking about numbers-wise? You've made quite a few albums here. Well, that so was album five. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah. count the album, album. album. Exactly, yeah. mm. that was album five. Mm. But you know, it's interesting because mm. "Praying to a New God" is a mm. total. It, yeah. it opens on a rock, yeah. just rock and riff at yeah. the very beginning. Yeah. So and that is a good song, I think. It's, it's, mm. That's a brave, think, brave yeah. video and a brave record to put yeah. out. Because was that the first single? Yeah, there? it was. Yeah. yeah, and you could see that the South would probably listen to that and go, "The Bible Belt." Yeah, yeah. that was a tough one. Burning Wang yeah. Chung records. In the yeah, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you listen to that song, it's not what they think. I mean, there's just no. There's I know, a, but I came from deeper. that marketplace where I knew yeah. what record companies were like, and yeah. I could see them going like, "This is oh. this is." Uh, it was a dark video. Oh. I loved it. Mm. I just loved it because it had that. I loved the band, so I would always buy the band for the musical ability. The same way I'd buy. Tears for Fears or Talk Talks Later mm. Records yeah. but we're the musos mm. but I could still see we're praying to New God I thought wow that's a brave leap because mm. you know it, it was pretty aggressive mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. and it was fiery voodoo-ish around mm. the edges yeah. although I could see the sens- sensibility of it and the humour of it and the darkness you could yeah. see that Geffen might have gone oh my god we're not going to get many plays in Nashville <laughs> 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 exactly are we going to send these boys to uh, south and they're yeah. going to get burnt you yeah. know yeah. I mean <laughs> He came back. Though, it's, it's interesting though because I, like I said, I, mm. I find your music almost like not peaked, but it was to me the most musically interesting of all the albums. Okay. Uh, well, it certainly is. That, I think it's, it's ambitious. Yeah, yeah, has some in a lot of ways. It goes for things. Doesn't I mean, you always got, achieve it. I you know, but you, well, know, you got yeah. like Snake Dance, and yeah. then you've got I love Snake. You know, mm. you've got Big World, yeah. and you've got. Um, mm. You know, when love looks back, yeah, yeah. and I mean, mm. just some brilliant, brilliant mm. songs yeah. there. Maybe what, you should, what, to it again. You sh- you should. <laughs> the only thing talking about on the way we were driving over together, and he's going, "That's the album." I'm going, "I bet you, Jack goes like, yeah, it's all right." <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, no, well, it's my a- demos are better than that. Yeah, really. If you like the album, wait to hear the demos. But it's yeah. I feel a little yeah. hurt right now. No, no, it's, no, always, it's always no, the no, way, though. No, no, no. It's, it's a beautiful thing. People find things in records yeah. that you you have to go back and go, wow, it's really touching people in a place that I don't actually because you're yeah. so involved yeah. with it. Yeah. And you yeah. see, you can even when I do my albums, you carry the the emotions of making those records, yeah. and you remember that as yeah. much as the yeah. song. Absolutely, you know. Um, you do. But yeah. also, I think great art goes mm-hmm. through a process yeah. and if you guys were going through a process sure it really was was honing that whole album and that album is because mm. of what you went through and it wouldn't be that way if you right. didn't go through sure. that yeah no, so. there's a lot of uh, emotion on that record but I think it is all interesting what you're talking about how people because you know, as an artist you make the record and you make it how you want it and you see it a certain mm. way but the person listening to it yeah. hears it uh, in in their world, if you like. In their context I, at yeah, that time. I, I'll yeah. tell you. So yeah. As they say, yeah. you know, it's like we don't see the world as it, as it is, we see it as we are. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So it's uh, yeah. people are coming to that music. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, 
with a song like Everybody Have Fun Tonight, which strikes this sort of mass right, yeah. sensibility, you know, turns a lot of people off as daft, but attracts a lot of people as a sort of fun kind of thing. And with hindsight and nostalgia, is regarded as quite a sort of a crucial bit of yeah, absolutely. Oh no, it's it's it's, you know, it's iconic. For words, it's huge. Yeah. That, yeah. that song yeah. is going to be around much like we well, the city. Well, I think Jack and I run the same gauntlet then oh. people always say to me you know I think it was voted I think it was voted the worst song ever made We Built This City oh. um, and I think Wang Chung came very near to that <laughs> as well <laughs> but you see I'd definitely be there with you yeah, no, 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 <laughs> we're, in the top, we're in the top 10 together because I noticed I said oh look Jack's everybody we're alright um, but you know it's, a, it's a real funny thing because you know I um, you carry that with you and yet I go into any any place and I say We Built This City and everybody knows it oh yeah everybody knows it um, and there was a book out recently, I think it was called Sound and Silence or something, and they're talking about Ivo Park, one of my heroes, and I'm, li- and I'm reading this, and then he goes into a long lecture about We Built the City being, you know, the, the most terrible thing that ever touched the world, you know, and yet you instantly realise that it represents that era. Mm. You know, you say We Built the... And I can't stop getting covers on it for mm. movies, yeah. and it just goes on and on. Yet I tend to want to reference these dreams because right. it's my hymnal song and yeah. it's more more me right you know and house of stone and light but we built the city you can't help but know that like jack's everything uh, everybody's fun tonight is iconic at a mm. certain point the same way as the beatles were at certain, oh, mm. you know there's those odd records mm. that just transcend mm. and go on mm. and it might not you know i still prefer the demo of we built this city mm. and i never liked the production on it right <laughs> no i didn't i didn't i didn't like what peter wolf did you know mm. i mean i'm a great friend of mine I took all my songs so he did the stuff with go west mm. but when i heard it i thought it was too um too Europeanly dramatic and straight, and I've done a very, you know, you've heard that it's right. a, it's a shock the monkey kind of <laughs> a floppy demo. Right. So you, you, but you, then you went. The fa- fascinating thing as a writer is, and I, I mean this very humbly, is that you've actually we both actually written songs that actually say eighties. Mm. Yeah, and everybody, you know, knows that mm. knows these songs, yeah. and you can't really get a. You go well, it, I wrote a song that everybody. Yeah. relates to yeah. and I think I just want to jump in here and say that when I think it's changed probably what I'm fascinated with Jack is that this great deep um, musicality about Jack when I wrote with Jack I was I think it was the most musical person I'd ever written with and had his strong strong minded in what he wanted to do um, you that I think there's a very uniqueness in Wang Chung and in Jack particularly that he allows that commerciality and simplicity to come through with fun on top of something much deeper. It's really hard to do. Right. And that's what I find a mystery and what I'm fascinated with with Jack. I think it's a really... In, that you can actually be minimalistic, have fun, mm. clap your hands and do the rock star thing, yet there's a subliminal musicality around that. That, that is, I think, really interesting. And I'd like to ask you, Jack, how do you balance that? Mm. Where there is this artistic side, but you also seem to have this awareness that you want to put bright colours mm. up mm. and that there's a philosophical side Side to everybody cheering mm. and clapping and dancing. Mm. Where, how do you get that balance? <laughs> what I enjoy about playing live at the moment is that I can feel that energy in in the in the songs. You know, mm-hmm. so for a song like Space Junk, right. for example, which is quite sort of uh, 
can I say about it? I mean, the way we play it live, there's a lot of space in it, sort of thing, for just floaty kind of solos and, and stuff, and the song kind of goes in and out of focus, if you like, and then achieves a really strong focus towards the end. So it's, it's got a lovely shape to it to play in a performing kind of way. Um, I guess that's... Um, yeah. But you've never uh, taken it too serious, have you? You've balanced well, that out in this kind of way. But I, I've yeah. sensed that I could be sat there writing this moody stuff and going, you know, everybody's going to commit suicide to this and they should. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, I, what I marvel at is that you still have that kind of yeah. philosophical side that is very positive. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I think that um, the, the, that kind of... Um, what's the word? It's it sort of superficially, it does sound a bit depressive and melancholy. Right. But actually is incredibly positive mm. because it's sort of like in touch at a lot of different levels yeah. simultaneously you know so all the cross currents are sort of firing off you know mm-hmm. and you're sort of in it in an impressionistic sort of way i get that because yeah. i think Absolutely. when i write as well uh, it, one one thing that um you know in the uk people are obsessed with lyrics when you read reviews of albums right. they're almost always talk about a song and they'll start talking about the lyrics and the song stands or falls by the quality of the lyrics. Wow. They never talk about the music, really. That's almost wow. like a sort of given. That, mm. you know. uh, and with me, I've written some terrible lyrics <laughs> in my life uh, that I'm not proud of. But I'm not interested in narrative right. in lyrics at all. I'm not interested in telling stories. I'm interested in creating emotions and impressions mm. And Take your baby by the ear. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. So that it's uh, in, and within a line, I'll contradict the, the tense or the place or the. You're a Zen I'll, monk. That's what you are. Yeah. Places within a, a single line yeah. in a song. Very abstract. because the words were all yeah. sort of mean different things for me in a in an impressionistic sort of way. Not because that's what the word means. Right. But just how it is right. for me. You know? So it's it's another strand to the music for me. Uh, that that explains a lot. I've always wanted to ask you about that. You know, what's interesting, now that I hear you say this, um, by far the song that I think just speaks to me the most because of where I was in my life at the time was, was Big World. Okay. And that, that if you listen to that, <coughs> you, it's such a great song of hope mm. at the end. You mm. know, this big world's never going to get mm. you down. Yeah. I mean, you know, mm. I'll be honest, I have no idea what the verses <laughs> are, right? Yeah. I just know that mm. that end yeah. just captured me and mm. just captured the feeling. Mm. And you're listening there and you feel like you could, you know, conquer the world. I mean, mm. it's just so big and mm. and just really, I just remember driving back. I was driving back from actually mm. from Hollywood down south and had a big drive and, mm. and things were happening in my life mm. and, and you hear something like that and it just good job we didn't play my music <laughs> <laughs> I know I agree I would have been, I would have been <laughs> exactly but no but about what you're saying you know it's like it's it, it just mm. really mm. it was beyond the actual words it was the feeling it was the vibe mm. I mean that yeah. the, the well, Big World is in, interesting for me as a song in retrospect because the and this is getting really technically. But, Let's go. But, but the, the verse of it is based on a piece by Busoni, the 20th century Italian composer. It's from his second violin sonata. And it's his melody and chords I basically just lifted because I was sort of in love with them at the time and wrote the words to it. So That's awesome. that first kind well, of great. chord and that, yeah. that melody yeah. is the Busoni tune. So it's a mixture of that, um, which I was sort of like thought was beautiful but I, I was kind of being cheeky taking it and also thinking it's a bit 
daft. <laughs> but then it's kind of like it then spread gets to this the, the bit you're talking about, you know, the big drum fill and this, right. and the Hey Jude ending. Exactly. Again, it's the sort of Tolo. that descending chord sequence that goes round and round. And on the original Hawaiian Chang album, there's a tune called Dancing. Mm-hmm. which uses pretty much the same chords for its mm-hmm. long ending. And uh, if you listen to Big World and Dancing, you'll hear that at one point, Big World becomes dancing, and I start singing the lyrics from that song. And I did have a sense when we were recording it that this was completing a circle, that this would be the last record. Really? Wow. Sort of at that time. How profound. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. It's very profound, isn't it? But... Um, no, I, I, I do remember that sort of thinking. That is, that, now, that just, just what trying you, things together. What yeah. you said, Jack, about and I can relate now to how you see lyrics as abstract. Mm. Um, uh, when you were doing the movie, mm. did you feel like there was pressure to explain the movie with lyrics? Did, you, did, did it force? No, you no. still felt the abstract yeah. point yeah. of view. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know. I mean, to live and die in LA does tell a story. And mm. interestingly enough, um, Nick was saying to me that somebody came up to him and was saying, "I love to live and die in LA." What I love about it is that it tells the story from the girl's point of view in the movie doesn't it yeah. and I was like god I'd never really thought about that yeah. but in that's sense, it. yeah that's it interesting yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I'd never thought again in a narrative way about right. it I, I was just trying to create impressions all the time and you've done that all, all your all your career really haven't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting mm. yeah when you now when you analyze it it has right. been almost like an instrument mm. it's it's been actually abstract and it just mm. grabs you at that moment mm. wow which is brilliant mm. yeah so let's um, so big world we finish mm. that's the end of yep. the, of that era and get the sense that you knew things were changing mm-hmm. and then we go through a little period mm-hmm. what what you you did the the guardian soundtrack yeah that was the first thing I did and, I think and then I after did, that I did um, well that's when I met Martin I was yeah. uh, writing songs uh, I, I got a deal with Columbia to do a sort of solo album. And, um, I still want you to do a solo album. Mm. Uh, yeah. I wonder one day if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's one of my desires. Yeah. And sadly, that album didn't see the light of day. Yeah. Uh, and I guess you know, if Nick had been with me doing it, it would have come out. <laughs> yeah. Because it was me doing it. it was like, well, okay, well, because he would have pushed on and on and on. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Do you regret that you never put a solo album out at this point, well, or it does not yes. feel like the right? You do. I, I think it was a bad period for me, yeah. and the fact that it didn't come out was disastrous for me creatively did you finish some of the songs there? did you actually record yeah, it was kind of ready to go basically it's, it's never too late so it's, it's like a sort of a constipation of yeah yeah enormous yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, consequences would it's, you ever yeah. would you ever do a solo yeah. album I don't know that album I still think of you know at various times but I have taken one of the songs uh, Extension of the Blues and recorded it probably three times and the latest wow. incarnation of it is my favourite one uh, so that will hopefully be on the next Wang Chung album because we're right. planning on doing an, another album next year. Oh, fantastic! Here, here, for that. This is a uh, prolific time for you guys. It is actually. In yeah. the last, I, I think uh, this, this whole experience of touring and, and getting Wang Chung back up and running, um, and also with my jazz project that I've worked on as yeah. well, I've probably written more music in the last four or five years than I've ever written wow. ever. Actually, yeah. you know. The jazz thing for me was a real release, and I was writing yeah. a different tune every day. And every time I sat at the piano, I came up with something yeah. new. Wow. Just, and I haven't had that feeling since I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. were you, you know, after this little hiatus and you're working mm. on those projects, when you came out with Abducted in the Eighties, the mm. little EP, was that just basically testing the waters it was. again? Yeah, just yeah. because you know it's a very changed world. Yeah, this music business we're in now, you know, 
So, um, yeah, we, we did a tour in 2009, a regeneration tour. Right, right. It's cool. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> a horror movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it was us, uh, ABC, mm. uh, Cutting Crew, and Berlin. Mm. So, kind of good. I mean, but it was a great way to get back yeah. into things. We were playing reasonable-sized uh, venues and... Uh, Lot of enthusiasm. Was it 2009 when you played the Mandalay Bay? Was that was uh, two, t- 210? I think. 210, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. we came back I saw... and did some of our own shows in yeah. 2010, which was not the wisest thing to do actually from a technical point of view. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what though, it was fantastic when you mm. played and to see people just, uh, you know, just mm. into your music, dancing, yeah. having a great time, and yeah. everybody singing yeah. along. And, mm. and that's when you know it's like, man, it's one mm. thing to go away, but it's another thing when you mm. can go away and then come back, and then people still have that, yeah. you know, mm. that affection for you. Mm. And yeah. still, still well, that was the thing that we felt, you know, that there was this sort of affection for the band, like you say. And, uh, but we sort of, you know, you quickly realize that uh, doing these gigs is, is fine, you know, but it's a very fleeting, ephemeral thing, you know, mm. so having a, an album or whatever to, right. to promote is. Uh, is necessary so you know, we didn't get the album together for 2010 but we sort of got four tracks and right so like you say it's a little taster so there's four tracks new tracks and then we, we were in the process of re-recording some of those old hits for purely business reasons really. <laughs> although it was quite an interesting thing to do you know like from an archaeological point of view to <laughs> go into those tracks and were you able to get hold of the original masters to work with on those um, we did Dance All Days, Everybody a Fountain Night, and Let's Go. Yeah, Dance All Days, the master no longer exists. Wow. For wow. Reason, which is pretty awful. Now, did Geffen Records, because you released this yourself, did Geffen yes. Records give you any problems with giving you the masters? No, we, we didn't use the masters. Oh, we, okay. We, we, they we re-recorded it. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. fair. Yeah. Well, you did a great yeah. job. Then. Yeah. yeah, we did, though I say it myself. Yeah. I mean, we were working with a great engineer, who, Adam Wren, who did Taser Up as well, you know, who can really make those minute distinctions... Yeah. that are the distinctions that make it sound like an 80s record and not like a 90s yeah. record yeah. Yeah, yeah. well let's let's take you up to Taser Up mm. so now we're at Taser Up mm. and you're you're writing um, with Nick and you're mm. getting together yeah. and uh, mm. is it does it feel the same or is it just brand new are you reinvigorated with uh, it's definitely reinvigorated yeah I think the process of recording these days is much more spontaneous than it was back then yeah you know points on the curve it couldn't have been less spontaneous <laughs> uh, working with Peter there was an element of spontaneity but again you were trapped with these yeah. robots essentially that were uh, and it was just very time consuming and um, I guess the mentality back in those days that you were making these sort of like making records was making the definitive performance of the song right. you know uh, whereas now I mm. think people feel making a record is like a snapshot of the song where it is now and the the definitive is how you play it each night as a, as a performance, you know, yeah. um, which I don't like particularly because mm. I am a great believer in recordings as being something very important. I don't think the book's been written yet about what recordings are. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think people think that they are like a document, like a photograph sort of thing, but they're not. They're, they're something much more like a painting <laughs> in a sense. You know, they're yeah. much more, you know, like that. You know the Monet water lilies. You know there's just that one thing. That's the artifact. The prob- the illusion with recordings is that you can reproduce them. You know thousands of millions of them. You know, but that artifact. To me, Sergeant Pepper is this precious sort of artifact. Yeah. Uh, 
that, that is definitive. And I think I was always thinking about recordings in that way that I was making yeah. the, the definitive version. Any performance of the song will be an approximation of that. That's, I, I think that's so true. Whereas now uh, it's kind of the other way around. You know, mm. the the recording is kind of where you are with the song at that time, oh, yeah. uh, and the performance is still constantly evolving. But the performance is the more important manifestation in a way. Wow. But with Taser Up, I was trying. I think still trying to make you know definitive performances mm. you know uh, but these days you, you can make that record in your house you know? yeah. so I can go and have dinner and you know, <laughs> sort of think, you know, I feel a bit pissed and I feel like doing a vocal and, and you know, <laughs> yeah. so I'll you know, go up there for Did like you, you know till two in the morning just sing 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 and then a week later I'll come back having forgotten about what I've done <laughs> and listen to it a little more objectively yeah. and, now did you, you produce Taser Up yourself with Nick or essentially uh, a lot of it I did myself yeah. you know uh, Nick worked with Adam a lot in this studio uh, Camden Town and when I sort of ran out of steam and everything started to sound horrible I, I'd take it to Adam and he would start sorting it out for me and, you know, wow sort of yeah sounds sonically a great so- record sounds good yeah. I think it is yeah, sounds really it is. really yeah. good yeah, yeah it's we strong. were doing an interview a couple of days ago and uh, they played uh, Dance All Days and Don't Let Go which I thought sounded so kind of stilted mm-hmm. and, uh, and then they played City of Light and it sounded yeah, weird, yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of fat and yeah. Yeah. and swinging. Yeah, it was swinging. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. that. This is a swinging record. Yeah. 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 Good feel. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Now I think Taser Up's as good a record as we've made, and I'm yeah. not saying that to try and flog it. I feel that. No, no, it I is. It's, it's, it's spontaneous. Yeah. It's got some, you know, like the first Huang Chung records. I listened to that. I think yeah, that's quite undiluted. Yeah. I mean, what we were trying to do at that time, you know, mm. and uh, uh, you know, you, you could argue. That the, the American records that we made, in a sense, were yeah. progressively yeah. sort of like uh, having to play that sort of commercial yeah. game, yeah. and you know, mm. uh, that, not that that's a bad thing, you know, because I think it gives you a lot of worldliness and, mm-hmm. and takes you out of yourself and forces you to confront the world you're actually in. And, and that's what you want to do. Are. That's what we're, we're all out there for. Yeah, we're yeah. Not, we're out there to do but, that. Um, yeah, yeah. All those wonderful illusions and delusions right. mm-hmm. get sort of recreated in a way. Taser up. <laughs> what I like about Taser up is the fact that it it definitely falls in line with the other albums oh. and you you haven't strayed from who you are and yet it's <clears throat> it's the next version yeah. and and that's I I've had another vitality and I, and I'm you know I'm at that age when I think it's it's to, to hear that vitality coming from a band that made records so iconic at that time and and still make a record with that kind of energy yeah. um, and re- and freshness, because yeah. I find it myself. You know, when you when you, you keep you you have to make you want to make another record, but you're thinking, um, you know, I've changed mm-hmm. and um, my voice has changed and I'm in a different space. I I just felt this energy from that record. I don't know. I wrote to you straight away, Jack, mm-hmm. and I just felt like a beam of light came mm-hmm. through the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan of the band, but I agree with absolutely everything mm-hmm. you're saying. The American records are all brilliantly constructed because you know there's a Mm. Great writer in there right. and a brain, mm-hmm. you know, which is always challenging you. You know, we we know we heard it a bit with Tears for Fears again mm. with the same producer, mm. and you hear it with Jack. You go, this is not going to come from always from the same place, and yet there's a real reference point to groove, the mm. 80s, yeah. and commerciality, which yeah. is wonderful. Mm. But you hear, but you at this this record to me sounded like it had come out of new skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It still sounded your vocals sounded 
you know, I'm, mm. this isn't plugging it, but mm. the vocal sounded to me full of life. Mm. Um, I felt a freedom. Mm. The first track, I felt the Beatles had walked in mm. and mixed with you. Yeah. You know, first gig, mm. when they did a gig, I just mm. thought, yeah. oh, the intro mm. of this, mm. is, you know. Mm. And you pointed out that Nick had come up with that, and I thought, mm. this is just, just so interesting. Mm. And uh, again, f forgive me for the title of the song, but um, the, uh, the, the one you finish on the album, Oh, stargazing. 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 It's just gorgeous. Mm. Uh, particularly is... gorgeous on the record mm. because yeah. you put the headphones on mm. and you really do get the feeling that you're uh, opening up to a wide expanse mm. of space. Mm. You yeah, know? Yeah. And yeah. there's so much history yeah. in your writing. Yeah. Although I, this is abstract, you get a feeling of, for me, because mm. I love Renaissance and medieval imagery mm. and folk, I could mm. hear it all there. But I think the thing that hit me the most, as, as being a friend of yours, mm. Jack, was you sounded vital. Mm. And I, at, at my age, I know it's something that we have to work yeah. at a little bit and just, you know, and you always challenge, I'm, I'm like you, Jack, I mm. can't stop writing. I've yeah. written more th in the last two years mm. than I've ever written. Right. And it just, I was never this prolific. Yeah. Uh, whether it's good or not, I don't know, but it's just coming out. Mm. And I listened to that Taser Up and I was blown away because I know that if that had come out in the 80s, we'd have all been buzzing about it right, in yeah. a way that we know Geffen would be going, mmm, right. we've got two singles here. <laughs> and that's always a lovely feeling. Yeah. I've, I've just yeah. written some yeah. songs where I go, I know one of those would have, mm. be, would have lit up Mercury yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. So I feel good about that. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like scoring a goal. You, know, yeah. you feel like, ah, it's yeah. still there. And I know this would have excited them. <laughs> but they're not there now. And this is yeah. a point that what we were talking about in the car. Mm. The industry has changed so yeah. much. How do, you, how do you feel about this huge... Mm. change where everything is streaming and as a composer we see mm. less and less royalties coming yeah and have you felt a need to go out on the road to make ends meet no no I'm okay so you're selling drugs on the side or something, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would come out. I knew it would come out. Yeah. You heard that? It here. took a while. Another breaking news. It took an hour to get that out. It took an hour. We got it out. No, I mean paradoxically mm. uh, we probably do make more now than we did wow. I know that the streaming thing is, is, a, is a problem but I think there's, there's such a proliferation of digital mm -hmm. outlets for music that, right. and, and our music gets used in so many movies like yours does as well yeah. you know that um, you know, I mean, I don't say this with any mm. uh, complacency at all, but you know, but the, the royalties have, have been good over the last few yeah. years. You know, be, because I think the music is placed in all these different places right. and it's being played on all these different yeah. stations, and mm -hmm. you know, the, the the kind of royalty collection is probably better than it used to be, or, or whatever. You know? So I, you know, I don't perceive that things are drying up or right. more difficult than they used to be. But what I do perceive is that. Uh, you know, with, with Taser Up, I know it's a good record, uh, and I and I know that, yeah, like, like you know, yeah, good records are good records, you know, yeah. Um, but I know that it's it's kind of impossible to get it into any sort of mainstream yeah. space, yeah, um, because it needs a context, and and the context is sort of lacking these days. I think for a, for a lot of music, you know, it's true, mm -hmm. um, and. And I think also that there's this sort of obsession with um, the needs of the consumer, if you like, you know, and MP3s yeah. and, and people, you know, uh, one of the things I do now, I have done for about 10 years now, is uh, I do a bit of teaching. I teach songwriting at the university in Canterbury, where I live. Wow. And um, as you can imagine, songwriting... My songwriting classes are quite philosophical. <laughs> it's not sit down with a laptop and uh, get some banging beats on the game. Yeah. It's 
Let's have a listen to this track by Todd Rundgren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a like, chord yeah, yeah. with a G in the back. Man, I wish I could take that class. <laughs> that, that would be, to have you as a teacher, I mean, how awesome would that be? Some people find it awesome. Some people find it very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're known as Fs. <laughs> Not necessarily. Do you, have a, do you have a full class? Do you have? A, 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 I'm yeah. interested if their kids are still interested in, in the ethic of songwriting. They are. That's yeah, fantastic. Are. Yeah. And there are some who are just... You know, I think with songwriting is that you know, some people can kind of do it in a slightly unnerving mm-hmm. sort of way, right. and other people struggle with it terribly. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be quite bright. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, but I kind of uh, take the uh, idea that everyone's got a song in them, you know, and so the, the mm-hmm. what you're fighting is their sort of unwillingness to let it come out. <laughs> wow. You know, so it's kind of break that down, wow. and then the song comes through. Fantastic. But it is yeah. no, it's it's a really fascinating class to teach and um, yeah it's like a three year course Brilliant. so I start out you know, just talking about the Beatles all the time now Jack <laughs> history though you, you, you went to Royal Academy of Music yeah. in London yeah Royal College of Music Royal College so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, d- I did three years at Goldsmiths College wow. which is where all that like Damien Hirst and mm. those artists were and you ended up in a punk band yeah yeah I did well when I came out of the Royal College I, I really had enough of kind of conventional <laughs> music education yeah. And, and punk was like a blessed relief wow. from yeah. all of that. It's but um, but no, I'm a big believer in uh, understanding music from a kind of, if you like, technical or a scientific point of view. I don't agree with the standard rock musicians thing that, oh, if I knew what I was doing, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave the room now then. And <laughs> 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 no, I think, you know, it's at whatever level, do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. When, when you, like when John and Paul spent their last. 15 cents on a bus right. ride across mm-hmm. you know to find out how to play B7 from yeah, some bloke that's, right. that's yeah. technical information yes. you need that information to expand wow. yeah. the parameters of what you can do wow. and I think when you're a kid I think as you were saying a little earlier when you're young you've got this frothy sense of like yeah I can do it you know yeah. and you can score goals and you can yeah. sort yeah. of uh, and it all kind of comes to you in some slightly Mm-hmm. Uh, flaky way, do you know what I mean? But as you get older, you've got to find ways of regenerating that, and the way you do that is with your intellect. Mm-hmm. I think so. You have mm-hmm. to work on that to, mm-hmm. to sort of get it up there, and yeah. you know, I mean, there there, there is all this spiritual side to songwriting as well, and you know, and certainly, I've one of the things I love about touring is that you're very in touch with those sort of energies when you mm-hmm. play in front of a crowd of people with all of their right. expectations and yeah. excitements and and stuff. And uh, in the last. Uh, yeah, a few years. I, I've really got how performing can be a drug, for you know, because you're in this space with people. It's mm. not the normal space, right? You know, and you're in a space as a musician where you're no longer concerned about kind of how you're doing it, yeah. or what you're doing, something, yeah. you know, and you mm. get to sort of dance up in this place with people, and it's no, phenomenal. It's and then it, you try and bring that into the into the songwriting process. You know? And I think that's where some of that positive energy on Taser Up yeah. comes from. You know? That's that's fantastic. Well, have you have you felt with your vocals that um, things have changed over mm. the years, or do you, much? Because you you sound yeah, brilliant live. Yeah, you, you do. You know, yeah, uh, I didn't take singing seriously. I don't think back in the eighties it was a, yes. quite a sort of mechanical process, almost in a way. I mean, it, it sort of wasn't. But seeing your voice is so it, great. It, it has mm. that, like Martin was saying, it's like mm. it's an iconic voice. You mm. cannot mistake mm. Jack, and mm. not only that, but the, very lucky to have the way. The, your style, the mm. way the the whales that you mm. can do, when you can really mm. hold the note out. Quirky sort of little. Well, yeah. it was interesting. Runs I think when I when I first mm. wrote with 
started getting, getting with Jack, I, I think I mentioned that I felt like a lot of your, and I'm, this is a bit naive, but I thought there was a lot of David Bowie influ mm. influences as well. The way you attacked, sure. mm. you attacked your phrasing ahead of the beat. <clears throat> you would sort of just attack it before. <laughs> it was always just pushing, and, and I heard that a lot with the most, you know, the greatest work by Bowie mm. sometimes. And I think you even said to me, you said, yeah, I, I, I can understand that in a certain mm. way. No, he was a huge influence. Okay. Yeah. 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 And some people... I think listen to me and go, oh, he's just a Bowie clone, you know. No, I <laughs> and, uh, but no. I, I think in the last, um, again, four or five years, singing has become. I actually took some lessons for oh, the first did you? time ever. Wow! Yeah. That was partly because I was struggling to be able to sing up a whole set, you know, wow. and I needed some sort of technical help, really. But um, I think I also just really. Uh, Steroids, Jack, that's all you need. Yeah. Steroids. You just need an injection every night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I had one before I came in. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, but there was also, this sounds a little flaky, but um, we went to Graceland and um, did the whole Elvis thing and Sun Studios. Great. And, uh, and I stuff. started listening to a lot of Elvis. And, yeah, so did I recently. And, mm. you know, for a singer, you can't have a better mm. model, actually. That's true. You know, Absolutely. For the sheer kind of. Yeah. Focus, um, wow. musicality, and yeah. the, the, the sheer joy of singing. Yeah, <laughs> wow! Terrible, isn't it? No, no, but, no, no, it's real. It's uh, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It was inspiring, and you kind of feel, you know, there's certain artists. That it's almost as if they're kind of sort of brush with you somehow. Do you know what I mean? I kind of right. Like, yeah, yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. he was just smiling yeah. on you, you know. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> it's delusion. <laughs> so, you're, how many gigs are you doing um, on this tour? I think we've done about 20. Wow. Round, wow. Round yeah. There's been a sort of concentrated period where we were playing every night. We were doing gigs with a fix, which was interesting, because they also have a new album out. Uh, and uh, so both bands are sort of trying to do, not reinvent themselves, because we're conscious that we're mm. a particular animal. Right. Think. But we're trying to sort of push it a little yeah. further. And I, I get, you know, I watched their show a couple of times and... They were close friends of mine. I came mm. through with them in uh, Islington when they okay. were doing Lost Planes. Mm. And um, I think it was called uh, Red Zone or something. Mm. They had their first two singles. Mm. And an interesting thing again, an English band that really exploded in America. Yes. But not so much back in, no, in right. England, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I found that... Um, I was very attracted to them in the early days mm. as well because they had a, a, a groove mm. going on, yeah. and yeah. Uh, they were hugely successful, yeah. weren't they, around yeah. this time yeah. as well? Were they good live? I mean, I've not yes. seen them. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Same band, same Ooh, players, original yeah. members. Yeah, wow. so yeah, and they do. They get into this sort of slightly hypnotic yeah. thing. Adam, the drummer, you know, never yeah. does any fills. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know the keyboard player very well. Yeah. That's it's, great, yeah. 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 And all of that stuff and the, the kind of repetitive yeah. thing, it's quite trancey and it's really pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought ABC were good when I saw yeah. you play at Universal. Mm. I was surprised how good they were. Wow, well. they were excellent. Yeah. Superb yeah. drummer as well. Yeah. Like a real kind of. Uh, there's this nostalgia for these 80s bands yeah. now. Ultravox mm. just released the record again. Orchestra Maneuvers came again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, do you? Yeah. Well, it's because, you know... Yeah. Are, they, are they huge in England? Yeah. Because we did Rewind, which is this big right. uh, UK festival, 80s festival, and they headlined that. You know, huge response. You know, wow. it's just, you know, people want to reach back and listen yeah. to music again. Well, hey, listen, you know, I, 
I want to wrap this up because I don't okay. want to take any more of your time. But, sure. but uh, Jack, I, I mean, I can't thank you enough. This is truly an honor, and I, I love just taking us back and, mm-hmm. and talking us through all this. And like I said, your music is is you know, it's just really fun, interesting, complex. Mm-hmm. You can read whatever you want into it, mm-hmm. and you can just listen to it, you know, at its face value. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, another album coming out in a couple of years is that what you're saying yeah sooner I hope. Yeah. yeah you know there's um, well, there's probably four or five tracks that are pretty pretty darn on it great know? and uh, wow you know I, I guess with Nick and I it will be a question of how we focus it and so on right and of course it's very flexible these days you know do we need to wait until we've got 10, yeah. 12 tracks that feel like an album or should we just release an EP, you know, yeah. an EP next January or something maybe we'll do that you know awesome so um, yeah but there's the, the nice thing the encouraging thing is that there's more stuff in the works that's and I feel fantastic. sort of driven in fact more driven than ever actually to, that's to, wonderful to try and you know express whatever it is I'm expressing in this music you're still doing your jazz band on the, the jazz thing yeah. yeah yeah, big time you know that's wow. um, uh, have some gigs uh, coming up when I get back to the UK with that what's the and name uh, of the jazz band what's uh, it's called Jack Hughes and the Quartet Oh, yeah. great. Well, it's called Just the Quartet. But I did two albums back yeah. in 2006, seven, I think, with Chris Hughes. Right. You know. yeah. And so Chris They're and I go albums. back, and they, that was a lovely, lovely awesome. experience working with him yeah. on this kind of very art-for-art's sake kind of project. You know. But um, but it's it's morphed more recently into some things I've done with uh, poets. Actually, I, I wrote a piece which is like very abstract, actually, where these poets are sort of reciting wow. a kind of 45-minute poem, and, and we're kind of playing behind them this music some of it's just like it, like instructions and some of it's written out quite in quite a lot of detail wow so that's a big piece that we've recorded that I, I want to get out there uh, and um, there's another there's a band called Siddhartha who are a local Canterbury band but I think they're on the verge of signing a very big deal over here aren't you Buddhists? no they're not wow. actually they're young kids wow. yeah, but they're amazing really great and I did a, a recording uh, a Beck's uh, Nobody's Fault But My Own I don't right. know if you know that song mm. but that's a pretty iconic song for me mm. and uh, Sid Arthur played and my quartet played together in this little sort of farmhouse oh, deep in the fantastic. countryside and it's a sort of, sort of yeah, 25 minute improvisation on the first couple of phrases of his song you know wow. two drummers two bass players what pills are you taking this <laughs> energy I mean but the I best mean, thing was uh, earlier this year I worked with another poet related to these other guys and he sent me this uh, stuff that it was basically like a gig coming up and, and I said yeah okay I'll, I'll, I'll write something for it you know and it was sort of this book was on the, my piano and I wasn't really getting any ideas and on one Saturday afternoon it kind of fell open at this uh, set of poems six poems called A Thesis on the Ballad and the poems all you'd love it it's yeah. so up your alley it's ridiculous yeah. uh, each poem is like a sort of evocation of a different bit of English balladry it sort of makes you think 15th 16th century wow. but also Irish Barbara Allen mm. ballads it wow. makes you think of mm. contemporary Britain as well mm. it's amazing stuff mm. and I wrote uh, six songs in two hours just like, <laughs> wow just like, these are good pills singing them into my wow. and uh, uh, I started recording those uh, we've recorded performed them a couple of times and people get wow. really blown away by them and uh, I've started that the recording brilliant. so I want to get that I want to hear that yeah. that's yeah, awesome I think you will like that yeah I want to hear that yeah, I really yeah. do so, yeah, this wow. is an incredibly creative time for you it is it is there's a lot of stuff 
going yeah. on, you, I think, you know, and, uh, and it's just being in touch with that. I, one of my last questions is, sure. you, because you're so much across this landscape, this whole different styles and your influences are so, so broad, do you, when you're writing songs, know that this is for Wang Chung, this is for the jazz band, or do they t- tend to fall into place when you suddenly finish them and say, you know what, this mm. is more for this and not that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we taser up, I think I was very, we sort of set parameters about that must have been what nice. this would be, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and having the jazz project is great for me because it means I'm not trying to shoehorn yeah. some yeah. ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. thing into a Wang Chung yeah. album, you know, which I used to do in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the source of the problem. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. You know, the, the different things, you know, I mean, like one of my big, you know, I know we're going on way past. No, I hate. No, no, we need it. When we talk about you know, when I, the first year students come in, you know, first day, we sort of sit down and have a chat. So there's like maybe sort of 25 students in the room. <clears throat> and I say, so, you know, what music are you listening to? And they'll say, well, I, I like metal and I like me dance and I like me, uh, 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 um, me reggae. Hip-hop, and I, you know, I like a bit of old music. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking gibberish. It's like music is about artists. Right. Who do you listen to? Yeah. It's genre is bullshit. Basically, genre is for librarians. <laughs> it's for iTunes. That's awesome. It's for finding what you want. Yeah. If you're a bit confused about, <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel, I feel like a student. Yeah. I, I know. You can see what I can see. Like. Yeah. It's not to do with the you know the content of the music yeah. you're listening to. Right. It's, a, it's just like a label. You know. It's you know. Mm, I can't good think point. Of a good analogy. But um, no, it's that's a good fantastic. Point. Yeah. I mean, so and everybody talks about music in terms of genre. Mm. We're talking about it now. You know, is it a Wang yeah. Chung thing? Is it a jazz yeah. thing? Yeah. What I'm interested in is you know artists. So yeah. like in the '60s when you bought a Beatles album, you know, and even Sgt. Pepper, which is considered a concept album, so right. which implies that it's cohesive. Mm. You know, has within you, without you. you know, mm-hmm. Indian ragas has when I'm 64 is the next track, yeah. which is a Forties pastiche or whatever. Yeah, yeah. very true. Very uh, true. Followed by sure. lovely Rita. You know, you know, day in the life is the beginnings of prog. You've got when she uh, she's leaving home, which is like a kind of yeah, most yeah. beautiful sort of oh. Einstein ballad. Yeah, way, isn't you're it? right. So very but true. back in those days, we didn't think, oh, this album's a mess. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because and, it's yeah. like we thought, no, this is the next Beatles album because their core identity as artists was so strong. So true. And they used the genres as a way of just like putting on masks yeah. to yeah. sort of like present yes. a different way of looking at things. Yeah. So all these bands that are defined by genre, I think, you know, wake up. If you're being defined by genre, there's something terribly wrong wow. with what you're doing, I think. Yes, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. And, uh, and Taser Up, I, you know. It shows in way it comes work. It does. It does. Taser Up has, you know, an electronic. Mm. Sort of, uh, you know, homage to yeah. sort of Depeche Mode, yeah. Piano, ballad. Yeah. piano ballad, piano ballad, Stargazing is a homage to Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah. City of Light is like back in the USSR. Yeah, you know, Why is a sort of sheep yeah. funk, Daft Punk thing. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, so we do all these different things. Again, I think when you've got core identity as an artist, you can do that, yeah. and that's kind of it's what true. you strive for. You know, it's true. So yeah. that to me is what. So all the way that we look at music these days and the whole reality, you know, it, it's all kind of got turned around upside down to me. So mm. it all needs to be. You know, fantastic. What a way to finish. <laughs> that was a great finish. Great. Well, you know, I, 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 this is brilliant for yeah. me as a fan. It's because, brilliant for the people because that I, to I understand. It, I have an understanding of your music that mm-hmm. I just want to. On my way home, I'm listening to all your albums mm-hmm. again and just, and <laughs> yeah. just going in because it's it's fantastic. Well, 
Jack, thank you so much. Martin, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for my friend here. It's such a long evening. No, it's brilliant. It couldn't have gone better, and it couldn't have It's great, even although I'm a great friend of Jack's, for me to go under the skin of a writer that I really respect has been really wonderful tonight. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, um, I appreciate you being here, both of you guys. This has been a thrill for me, and I want to say um, if anybody has any comments or questions, you can reach me at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. If you have any questions for Jack, we'll forward it to, sure. to Jack. And, and you I'm could sure. always get in touch with uh, me through Facebook on Wang Chung Bad. Wang okay. Chung Bad at facebook.com. There you go. We run that. Nick and I do that ourselves, so we can answer any questions you may have that's right and I, I encourage you to go out there and buy all their albums right yeah. there's not that many <laughs> so you can just, seriously it's, yeah. if you want to if you just really want to listen to music and want to discover little bits and pieces and little treasures and now have a greater understanding of what we've been talking about I encourage you any of those albums will, will be great thank you Jack thank you Martin and uh, thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time thanks Mike thank you Brilliant. Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.